Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Ben. Happy anniversary. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes, two years as a podcast. Uh, almost four years as a show, uh, you know, in a whole, as a whole. You know what I mean? Just one month away from the big four-year anniversary. Oh, my gosh, guys. Yeah, two years as a podcast. We got some plans. We're going to be talking about that a little later. But let's get today's show underway. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, February 26th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Frog in my throat there. The Chicago Federation of Laborers sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe, won't you? Become a binhead, won't you? That's what we call fans of our show now. Binheads. You can subscribe. There's several ways you can subscribe and help out the Ben Jarofsky Show. Go find it right now. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V as in victory. S. K-Y. Become a binhead, and rumor has it you'll get a deal on the soon-to-be-released book from Ben Jarofsky. Yes, Ben Jarofsky has a book coming out. It's his greatest hits from the Chicago Reader, covering 40 years of Chicago columns. It's Ben Jarofsky's greatest hits, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky to find out more information uh, to get the book, to become a binhead. Chicago Reader, go check it out. Obviously, you've done it, but go do it again, all right? So can you subscribe twice? I don't know. Find out if you can. Thank you, Chicago Reader. Ben, you have a song of the day? Okay. <clears throat> I don't know That's if it's going to top yesterday's. Yesterday's was pretty good. You, 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 you nailed Bob Dylan yesterday. <laughs> Once upon a time, you look so fine through the buns of dime in your prime. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. All right. Uh, Frank's song of the day, Pale Blue Eyes by the Velvet Underground. You know, I have a confession to make. I don't know that song. I've, I know who the Velvet Underground are. They're Lou Reed. How about if I just do Walk in the Wild Side? Walk on the wild side. I said, hey, guy, walk on the wild side. That's the We're walking on the wild side, guys. It's Ben Jarofsky Show's two-year anniversary special. All right, are you snapping? It is Friday, February 26th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Ramana Hussein. Now your host. No, you will not find him at a Velvet Underground concert, apparently. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. 
Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We call this Parliament Rules Friday, and here's why. Well, it looks like Congress won't pass a law hiking the minimum wage to $15 an hour from the $7.25 it is right now. Nope, they won't pass it because the parliamentarian of the Senate said they can't pass it. All right, that's a boiled-down version. It's a little more complicated than that. But the first question out there that I know many of you are asking was, I didn't know there was a parliamentarian in the Senate. Well, folks, I must be candid and honest. Until this story broke, neither did I. <laughs> I won't pretend that I'm one of those reporters who knows absolutely everything. But break the fourth wall, Dave. Most of, these port, most of these reporters are just winging it as they go along. They go on the WTTW show where the reporters sit around and they give them the little the topics before the show begins and they study up and they cram up. And that's why they look so knowledgeable, like they know everything. But in fact, they just learned what they are reciting like 24 hours before it went on the air and they'll forget it within the next 24 hours. Anyway, there was a parliamentarian. Her name is Elizabeth McDonough, and she mediates disputes like a referee determining what you can and cannot do in the Senate. And so when it comes to the minimum wage, the rules say you need a simple majority to pass. That would be 51. But the rules say that Republicans who oppose hiking the minimum wage can block it by filibustering, and you need 60 votes to cut off the filibuster debate. And the Dems don't have 60 votes to do that. I'm not even sure they have the 50 votes that they need to hike the minimum wage, which is really embarrassing to admit, but let's put that aside for the moment. Senate rules do allow them to pass a $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus bill because it's a budgetary matter. So someone really smart in the Senate went up to Chuck Schumer and said, boss, I know what we can do. We can tie hiking the minimum wage to the stimulus bill. That way, when we pass one, we pass the other. And Chuck Schumer said, my God, that's brilliant. Actually, I had no idea if that happened. I'm just making that all up. But I wanted to have an exciting narrative, D. Anyway, Republicans immediately said, wait, that's against the rules. It's against Senate rules. And if there's one thing we Republicans believe in is you have to play by the rules. Unless, of course, we don't like the rules that we're playing by, in which case we would just change them. But put that aside. So they went to the parliamentarian. The parliamentarian, of course, as I said, is George Clinton. Just kidding. Wrong parliamentarian. Just did that for Dennis's sake. He loves parliament. One of the great funk groups of all time. George Clinton, of course, has nothing to do with Senate rules. We've got the funk. Sorry. Elizabeth, Elizabeth McDool is the parliamentarian uh, <laughs> who is going to decide these rules. And I don't know if she's a George Clinton fan. I get the feeling she's more of a Carol King fan. Anyway, sorry for that tangent. She went and studied the rule book and decided that it would be an illegal violation of Senate rules to allow a simple, to incorporate, excuse me, the minimum wage with the uh, stimulus bill and allow it to pass by simple majority. So she said it cannot be done. So alas, it looks as though the minimum wage will have to get the 60 votes it needs to override a Republican filibuster. And I don't think the Dems could do that. And so it looks like it's defeated. But wait, another super smart person looked up in the history books and said, you know, you can vote to override the parliamentarian's rules and would only take a majority. And so that means we'd be 50-50 and Kamala Harris would break the tie. And so immediately lefties like me everywhere said, come on, President Joe Biden, rally the Democrats to this cause. Because if there's anything Democrats agree on or should agree on, 
It's raising the minimum wage. And what did President Joe Biden say? He said, sorry, I must play by the Senate parliamentarian rules. So there will be no vote, at least at the moment, it looks that way, to override the parliament, the parliamentarian, excuse me, got George Clinton on my mind, and include the minimum wage in the stimulus bill. What am I going to do with you, Dems? How many times do I have to tell you, if you want to win, you got to start playing the game like Republicans. And this is an issue that I think would be very popular with your base, raising the minimum wage. Of course, the people whose wages are raised would really love you. The unions would love you. Anybody with like a vaguely lefty viewpoint would love you. I know there's some centrist Democrats. The Rahm Emanuel types would be against you. I'm not sure what Lori Lightfoot's position would be on this. But most Democrats would really appreciate you taking a strong stand. Just imagine what Mitch McConnell will do in a situation like this. Do you think Mitch McConnell would abide by the parliamentarian's rules if he disagreed with the outcome of that rule? Hell no. He'd have that vote in a minute to override her. Then he would hold a press conference and denounce all Democrats who disagreed with him as radical thugs. Donald Trump will be tweeting out. This is the old days when Donald Trump still had access to his Twitter file. But not the Dems. Oh, no. Once again, they play by the rules, even if the rules work against their constituents. Oh, Dems, oh, Dems, oh, Dems. When are you ever going to learn? We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here. She's not afraid to break a rule every now and then, huh, D? Ramana, Ramana, Ramana. Come on, everybody. One of the things we're going to be talking about is journalistic objectivity. Uh, this story broke in the newspaper the other day uh, with an essay that a gentleman, uh, Hugo uh, Balta, wrote, uh, d- former employee of WTTW. And I've been meaning to discuss this with Ramana Hussein. And so that's one of the things we'll be talking about. Uh, when Romana comes on, but before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that the parliamentarian in the Senate has ruled is known as Dr. D with the news. Hey, everybody, how's it going? I do love Parliament. We got the funk. <laughs> I got to say, out of all the uh, air instruments and mouth instruments you play there, the, your bass is hands down the best. Bass solo, yeah, like go. You. <laughs> we got the fuck. Yeah. And the, the people can't see it. I'm like air basing. No. I like it like those big solos. And it's usually a big feller takes that bass. All right, everybody, before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, we need to remind all of you listening about this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews every Saturday, Sunday and Monday while we're away. An exclusive never before heard Ben Jarofsky show interview for you to play. Here's this weekend's lineup. And I got to say, I'm looking forward to recording our Saturday show tomorrow. Yes, makes a very special day here for the Ben Jarofsky show February 27th. I kind of implied it was today, but it's actually tomorrow, February 27th. The Ben Jarofsky Show in podcast form turns two years old. Now, I know everybody's hearing that noise there. And in celebration, I've come up with a one of a kind anniversary show. Now, typically, our host, Ben Jarofsky, books the guests on this program. (laughs) 
But for this podcast special, I take the guest book. That's right. The producer's book and the guest, which is how it is on every single show. <laughs> Except for this show. Except for this one. But listen, I have reached out to some familiar Ben Jarofsky show guests, and they are going to be on our anniversary special. Which guests? It's a mystery. Ben has no clue who these guests are going to be. That's right. It's a podcast surprise party on the Ben Jarofsky show. And I figured for everybody to know uh, how this is going to go down, I'll give everybody a little sample of how it's going to go down here. Ben, I reached out to a guest and they're going to be joining us. They're joining us right now. <laughs> it's our, su our surprise guest. <laughs> Jacob Kaplan, Ben, and Dennis. Hey, thanks. Yeah, J Jacob Kaplan, one of the political know-it-alls, uh, executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party. Just in time for me to ask you a Madigan question. Oh man, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> I did not know, Jacob. I did not know that it would be you. Uh, it's only appropriate that it be you. You were my first guest. Well, actually, literally my first guest. But the late great Karen Lewis, uh, back in the when I had started the radio show, uh, and then of course the phone didn't work. So you were the first guest in which the phone connection worked. Let's put it that way. There we go. And um, yes. Uh, and for ten trivia points, what were you calling in to report about? Do you remember that? For I'll give you a hint. It was March of two thousand and seventeen. What were you calling in to, uh, to talk about? Uh, <laughs> <Give up? laughs> I'm trying to think what was going on. A lot of Trump stuff, but it's probably something local, right? No, it was. Well, yeah. yes, it was local. Uh, the uh, Democrats were meeting, uh, were um, uh, having a, a meeting where the gubernatorial candidates came before them to well, present right. their credentials. Uh, and that's where I first heard about the name Bob Diver. You told yeah. me you were you did you were asking like, acting like a reporter. You said Chris Kennedy came and spoke, JB Pritzker came and spoke, Danny Biss came and spoke. Yep. Oh, I remember it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, was that long ago. <laughs> uh so anyway, uh, uh Jacob Kaplan and Danny Pokashevsky have been coming on the show uh, ever since. And uh, that will be on next week. We'll be talking about, uh, oh, I'm sure we'll be talking about the, the whole selection process. We've got what went down on the north side. We can compare and contrast, Jacob, what went down uh, with Senator uh, Heather Stade's seat on the north side and compare and contrast it with what went down on the southwest side with uh, Michael Madigan's seat. How about that? Happy to. Happy to. <laughs> A lot of things going on. Yeah, a lot of things going on. All right, Jacob, thank you so much for dropping in on the, on me like this. you have any words of wisdom you want to give to me bef uh, before you head off? No, just keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. Love the show. Love being on it. And uh, can't believe it's been two years already. So, you know, uh, just keep doing it. <laughs> All right. Thank you very yeah. much, Jacob. That was pretty slick, Dennis. I did not know it was going to be Jacob Kaplan. You're the man, Jacob Kaplan. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that's what you can expect. It's our Ben Jarofsky show anniversary special. We're going to be recording it tonight and then we're going to have it available for download Saturday by 5 a.m. Who's going to be on? Only I know who's going to be on. By Do the you way, remember that first interview with JK? Back, yeah. Way back when? Probably not. You know, that's where he told me about Bob Diber. And he said, uh, I remember it was uh, Dan Biss. 
best known candidates were Dan Biz, Chris Kennedy, uh, and J.B. Pritzker. And you know, really, D, we are a very unusual show because we really the only show. Think about this: we've been talking about Darren Bailey for a year. Uh, some might say obsessively talking about Darren Bailey, the big downstate senator who's now probably going to be your uh, gubernatorial candidate, Republicans. We've been talking about, and we talked about that. We're probably the only show in Chicago, definitely, that talks about downstate uh, politicians. But uh, he, he, I remember Jacob telling me, just Bob Diapers, a downstate Democrat, he's a New Deal type guy. He's a, he, he, he did well for himself. And so we, uh, you know, called him up, brought him on the show. And, uh, anyway, nice little memory there of Jacob Kaplan coming on back in 2017. That was fun, huh? That was fun. Very good. All right. Uh, that's going to be happening. Uh, it's our anniversary special available for download Saturday by 5 a.m. Uh, by the way, heads up. Uh, spoiler alert, if you will. Uh, it's going to be a lot of dudes. All right. I tried booking females uh, and no one's responding to me, but I got some. That's just a little heads up there. And uh, also, uh, I don't have that many, Ben, so I may need you to stretch it a little bit when you talk to these guys <laughs> next time, all right? Listen, booking's not easy. Now you're starting to realize booking's not easy, okay? Uh, if those interviews go as short as that Kaplan one, boy, it's going to be a short show. May need you to stretch those interviews out a little bit uh, when we do this. But it's our anniversary, uh, anniversary special available Saturday. All right, on to Sunday. Uh, it's part two of a series that I hope keeps going on the Ben Jarofsky show. I call it Terry Cosgrove and Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben, tell us who Terry Cosgrove brought with him this time around. Uh, from, uh, Terry Cosgrove from Personal Pack, one of the leading uh, advocates for uh, abortion rights uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, he brought in state rep Anna Muller and uh, attorney Melissa Wyden. We had we took the deep dive on the parental notification bill, and this is a uh, right now in the state of Illinois. If a teenager wants to have an abortion, she needs her parents to sign on. I think this is just, uh, well, I think this is a ridiculous uh, requirement, in my humble opinion. Uh, as I started off with the interview, uh, the parent wasn't there when the girl got pregnant. So why does the parent need to be there at this moment of crisis, particularly uh, when? In many cases, I would just cause so much torment and so much agony uh, for the teenager to have to talk it over uh, with her parents. So uh, we we took the deep dive. Uh, Anna Muller, state rep from the Elgin area. She talked about the political ramifications of it. She talked about the, the counter arguments that Republicans uh, use. She talked about how Republicans will try to use this in campaigns uh, and the attack ads they expect. And uh, Melissa Wyden, uh, an attorney, talked about sort of the... Uh, the constitutional aspects of it, case law on the matter. Fascinating story uh, and a fascinating issue. It's going to be coming before, well, I guess, it, I think it's going to be in March or April uh, that uh, the House of Representatives and the state Senate will have to vote on it. I don't know if it'll pass. Um, I think it will, but uh, it should be a tough fight. And I presume, of course, uh, well, I, I'm, Governor Pritzker has already said he would sign the bill, so... If it does pass, it'll be signed into law by Governor Pritzker. So that's what we discuss with TC, Terry Cosgrove, uh, Anna Muller, and Melissa White. It's Terry Cosgrove and Friends, Episode 2, available Sunday by 5 a.m., chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcasts. And, uh, well, we got an alderman on the program on Monday. So when that happens, 
You got Alder Monday. That's right. <laughs> 47th Ward Alderman Matt Martin, Ben's Alderman, joins us yes. on the program. Ben, give everybody a little sneak peek of what you talked about. Uh, by the way, this is kind of funny. In the uh, in the same day, I talked to Dennis's Alder woman, and then I talked to my oh, wow. Alder man yeah. because Ros- Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez uh, was on the show yesterday. Uh, Matt Martin is the Alderman of the 47th Ward. He's a rookie Alderman. Uh, and I got to admit, I like his style. Yeah, he's left. He's lefty, and uh, he's just probably as lefty as I am. Um, but he, you know, and I admire it because how do I explain this? I get all emotional. You know what I mean? I'm like always waving my hands in the air and denouncing someone. Come on! Yeah, after, Matt Martin is so cool. Yeah, and so collected. Absolutely. You ever notice that? Absolutely. After about two or three minutes of uh, hearing Matt Martin, you'll instantly realize, oh my god, this guy's smarter than both of these dudes. <laughs> very smart He's guy. Really smart. Yeah. This guy thinks before very, he talks. Wow. <laughs> He's really smart. Uh, and he's very deliberate and, you know, he, he thinks before he speaks, unlike me, just speaks. No, that's not true. Now, come on. Eh, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, and, uh, so it's an interesting contrast to me. Uh, we take all the, we went down from one item to the next, how to make the city more progressive. You know, he ran on a, believe it or not, on a, uh, he called for a city income tax, uh, which with, uh, uh, graduated, so the highest rates would be on the wealthiest people. That, that of course, is going nowhere. Uh, obviously, uh, there's no movement for that. But it's a, you know, it's a very important point. What are we going to do as a city to raise the money we need to pay our bills and obligations? And right now, I saw the Sun Times today. Oh, guess what? They're going to start doing um, finding you f- uh, with the the bringing back the, the cameras, red light cameras. So that's we're going back to fees and fines, and of you know of course the powers to be in the city of Chicago say, oh well, we're not really doing it to raise money; we're doing it for safety reasons. See now that right there is Matt Martin would never like imitate them <laughs> in right. a disparaging way. Right? He would just he would just like, well, Ben, there's there's two views on this. There's the one view that says we need this for you know, for safety reasons. And they have a valid point. I just, he's so diplomatic. You know what I'm saying, Dave? And so I like that, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be more like Matt Martin when I grow up. Anyway, Matt Martin uh, does an outstanding job. We tackle all the issues and we talk about his relationship with uh, Lori Life. And by the way, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, I know our uh, live listeners heard the show yesterday. I thought she was very honest about what it's like to be uh, a lefty in the city council. And when you speak from your heart and how Lori Lightfoot responds and that whole showdown, we talked about it yesterday. I don't, did we talk about it in the news, D, you and I? I can't remember. I can't remember. It's so much. I know I talked at length about it with Rosanna Rodriguez. Sanchez, oh, you mean Lori dropping the F-bomb? Yes. Yeah, we talked about it. We did. Okay. Uh, Lori dropped the F-bomb and then Lori Lightfoot sent a clarification uh, to Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez saying, I was not dropping the F-bomb in response to what you were saying about Black History Month. I was dropping the F-bomb in regards to what my aides told me about something else. And so it was a clarification. And I'm like, that's not, ah, come on. Come on. Just, you know what, Mayor Lightfoot, you should ask yourself at moments like that, what would Matt Martin do? You know what I'm saying, Dave? Well, first of all, Matt Martin would never drop the F-bomb because he's disciplined and focused, and he would have been listening 
to what Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez was saying. Yeah, because obviously when, when Mayor Lori Lightfoot was confessing to us that she wasn't listening to uh, Alderwoman uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. So she wasn't paying any attention at all. <laughs> so when she ma- issued that clarification, she was such as I wasn't listening to a word you were saying. Boring. <laughs> so, you know, first of all, like, Matt Martin would have been listening. And second of all, let's say he wasn't listening. Let's say an aide interrupted him and told him something so outrageous that he felt compelled to drop the F-bomb, which I can't imagine in a million years. But let's say that happened. He would offer an apology. It's like, you know what? I'm really sorry that it's uh, uh, that I looked like I was insulting you. I was not did not in any way mean to insult you. I was having an, a spontaneous response to something else that had nothing to do with you. And I really feel bad that it makes you feel bad. And can we go have a cup of coffee, man? <laughs> That's how you deal like if you're a mensch. You know what I'm saying? No. Lori Lightfoot is a corporate lawyer, so she issued a clarification. Clarification. Anyway. It's really interesting. Uh, in one day, to talk to Dennis's alderwoman and my alderman, they have contrasting styles, but they have a very similar political beliefs. Uh, and they were each elected. They're freshmen. They were just elected. Took runoffs to get them, uh, each of them elected. And I think they're two of the brightest, uh, most promising young politicians in the city of Chicago, D. It's this weekend's Benny J. Bonus Interviews. Saturday, our anniversary show special with mystery guests. Sunday, Terry Cosgrove and friends, and Monday, Alderman Matt Martin. It's available ChicagoReader.com, wherever else you download podcasts. Find them, download them, subscribe, give us a review. Five stars only. Okay, local news. Let's do it. We begin in the city of Chicago, and we begin. Thank God. Science is back, baby. With Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. <laughs> yeah. And hey, what do you say we keep talking about that F bomb, huh? Okay, you might as well. I'm all ready to talk about it. <laughs> it was today's top talk in Illinois Politico. Alderman blocked a Wednesday vote on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's plan to spend federal COVID 19 relief funds, prompting the mayor to utter some. Filthy language. And it was caught on a hot mic during the meeting. You gotta be fucking kidding me, the mayor said. <laughs> it was more like a, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> right? More kind of like that. Right? By the way, right after Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez had delivered this heartfelt, passionate speech about Latino and black unity for black History Month, right after she just speaks from the heart. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot obviously wasn't listening. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Shia Kapos got an exclusive here, a one-on-one interview with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And we're going to read uh, her thoughts on the interview and uh, what went down. And Ben, here's the overall take here. Apparently, it's all Alderman Ed Burke's fault. I... <laughs> Right? Why not blame him? Nobody likes him anyway, so that's a <laughs> shrewd move. Yes, the 14th Ward Alderman, who was indicted, uh, indicted not long ago, indicted and still gets to keep his job somehow. 
He once shook down a Burger King in his 14th ward, which soon led to the obvious nickname, Burger King Burke. <laughs> I mean, it's just right there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so obvious. <laughs> Mayor Lightfoot accused Alderman Ed Burke Thursday night of trying to sabotage her plans for COVID-19 relief funding the way he thwarted legislation decades ago during the notorious council wars. Uh, Lightfoot went on saying, quote, this is the same man who spent an enormous amount of resources and capital obstructing everything Harold Washington did. He's the man who called Washington every filthy, nasty thing, everything my mother would say, but a child of God. Lightfoot said in an interview with Playbook referring to the former mayor's hurdles in office, quote, so it is no surprise that he's railing against someone who doesn't bow to his power. It's not surprising at all. Lightfoot spoke on a range of issues during our interview, our being her and Shia Campos, their interview, and said it's too early to talk about re-election plans because she's focused on gearing up the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. She remains dedicated to overhauling city government, including the police department, which has been a source of damaging attention, like the botched raid on Anjanette Young's home that came to light recently. The mayor said she knows people are upset with how the summer's protests were handled and said she's committed to making sure police officers are quote, better prepared, better trained, and that supervisors are also held accountable. Since the Floyd protests, Lightfoot said Superintendent David Brown has stripped some officers of their police powers, and many are, quote, being investigated by Civilian Office of Police Accountability. Mm. Wow. All right. Well, let me just say this about uh, Mayor Lightfoot's observations about Ed Burke. I'm with uh, Mayor Lightfoot 100% on this one. 100, no, 150%. Can I go higher? No, 342%. Let's just make it some kind of weird number. 619%. I mean, there's two things. One, it's a brilliant political move. And two, it's accurate. So let's deal with the accuracy. Ed Burke should be ashamed of himself. Ed Burke tag team with a guy named Ed Verdoy. This is ancient history. My millennial listeners don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But this is back in the 1980s when Harold Washington was elected mayor, the greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had. Uh, the first black man ever elected mayor of the city of Chicago. First black person elected mayor of the city of Chicago. And instantly, instantly, the city council organized, the white aldermen and the city council organized to oppose absolutely everything he did. And their, report, uh, their purpose, their mission, and Richard Mel said this in a reader interview with Gary Rivlin, the great Gary Rivlin. He said, it might be in the best interest of the city of Chicago to sabotage Harold Washington. That would guarantee he'd be a one-term mayor. That's what Richard Mel uh, said to Gary Rivlin way back when in the 1980s, uh, an interview with the Chicago Reader. So, yes, it was a contemptible mo move by Ed Burke. He was far too passionate, in my humble opinion, in the overall mission. It led me to believe that he had some really weird, deep-seated, what, cancerous attitudes toward black people who have power? Toxic attitudes toward black people who have power? Should be ashamed of himself? I don't think he is possible to have shame. So, yeah, it was a horrendous motive. Uh, for the city of Chicago. It was an embarrassing moment for the city of Chicago. And everything that came after it, after Harold Washington died, were corporate, civic, and editorial Chicago united to make sure what? 
that we would never have a city council rise in opposition to a black mayor. No, 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 no. That's not what they organized to oppose. They came together to make sure they would do everything they can that we would never have another Harold Washington again. That was the lesson they drew. Well, we can't have an independent-minded black person running city. Oh, no. We need another white guy. So in got ushered Richard M. Daly, and the, the powers that be in this city stood behind him 100%. And part of that deal to get Richard M. Daly in was that Richard M. Daly agreed to allow Ed Burke, the leader, one of the two leaders of the anti-Harold Washington movement, he, Burke got to keep his finance committee chair. He became the most powerful alderman and he stayed the most powerful alderman throughout the Richard M. Daley regime and into the Rahm Emanuel regime. And it was only because of Lori Lightfoot that he lost his power. Well, Lori Lightfoot in a federal indictment. And I give her credit. It's part of the reason I voted for her, D. She was outspoken in her opposition to Ed Burke. So she is more than warranted to try to discredit the opinions that Burke was raising by linking him to his sordid Harold Washington past. That said, <laughs> that said, Ed Burke was speaking truth. I'm just saying it. When it came down, I just wrote a column about it. His basic point that the mayor... <laughs> Uh, justification for spending $281.5 million in federal COVID relief funds on the police department was an exaggeration. It was just an attempt to take from Peter to pay Paul. It was just moving money around to fill a budget gap. It had nothing to do with police doing COVID work. It was BS put out by the mayor. And as I put in my column, this if Black anyone- History Month, we're celebrating that the future belongs to us. What on earth? If anybody knows about mayoral BS, it would be Bert, because he's been joining with Mayor's Rom and Mayor's Daily to spread it for years. So, yeah, Ed Burke was, for once in his life, was right. But Lori Lightfoot is more, you know what? Go, go get him, Lori Lightfoot. Ed Burke deserves it. And, you know, it was a, a brilliant political move, D. I didn't read the story. I just listened to what your your recitation of it. Good job, by the way. Oh, and I was like, thank oh, you. good job. You know, brilliant move, Lori Lightfoot, linking Ed Burke to Harold Washington. Was, politically, it was a, a, a very good strategic move. Uh, and it, it also uh, served uh, the larger purposes of sort of allowing her to just like discredit anybody, including like, a bunch of millennials, Matt Martin, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, who would never ever, they weren't even born when Ed Burke teamed up with Eddie Bedoyne to block Carol Washington, but would never, would be totally if, against it. So by linking Ed Burke to their cause, which is spending money for COVID relief on COVID relief, she discredited their cause and made them look like they're allies of Ed Burke. I'll tell you what, Lori Lightfoot is learning how to play the game. She's learning, D. Okay?
All right. All right. Well, uh, on a scale of one to five, five being completely awesome, one being uh, awful, uh, how many stars would you give that strategic political move that Lori Lightfoot just pulled off there? 92. 92? <laughs> yeah, I just like doing random numbers. You notice I support her 690. 619. No, it's a five. It was a brilliant political move. And honest, not really. Was it fair to Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez and Matt Martin? No, no. But come on. As Matt Martin said in the interview that we did the other day, Ben, you got to have sharp elbows to play uh, Chicago politics. Remember he said that day? Then we went off into a basketball discussion. Oh, wow. Sharp elbows? Gives me an excuse to talk about the Bulls. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yes, very uh, five. Five. Give her a five on that one. Very shrewd political move very shrewd whoever told her to do that good job wow five right now you know what the really smart political uh strategists do what they they never take the credit so it's like oh no ben mayor lightfoot came up with that herself really yeah yeah (laughs) okay you know you gotta make the boss look good d right you never notice you know that's just that's just you gotta oh no i didn't think of it the mayor thought of it herself or if it's like a really dumb idea you know the reality it wasn't even the mayor's idea it was billy bob (laughs) the mayor's like kicking herself why did i listen to billy bob anyway whoever came up with the idea give it a five wow there you go you heard it here first on the ben jarofsky show five stars five star political maneuvering All right, let's talk statewide news here. I got no public event scheduled for our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. And that's good because, well, it is Friday and I'm looking outside. uh, Very warm outside right now. Kind of freaking me out. Last week at this time, uh, a lot of snow, tons of snow, and now very warm. Boy, you know, I can't even imagine what's going to happen next. But luckily, we have Trent Ford. (laughs) <laughs> i say luckily but i mean i think this segment stinks ben jarofsky is just is hell bent on having this segment on our program every friday uh it's the weekly weather summary with illinois state climatologist trent ford aka the most boring man i think i've ever heard in my life but hey here's a weather summary everybody enjoy from the illinois state water survey at the university of illinois prairie research institute this is illinois state climatologist trent ford is it getting boring this week brought a transition away from the brutal cold to more mild weather weak average temperatures range from the low 20s in far northern illinois to the high 30s in southern illinois between one and six degrees below average However, a quick hey, warm-up Mom, came in the latter half of the week. <laughs> Daily high temperatures ranging yeah, from the low 50s the to high 60s. Yeah. A station Weather in Alexander guy. County actually recorded a high of 69 yeah. degrees oh, on Tuesday. I got, I, February. I'm done. I can't. You know, we'll continue it later. I cannot make Wait, it through on. an entire one. What? He was right in the middle. Somewhere got it was 69 degrees. Oh, yeah. I couldn't hear. I was. Oh my God! Somewhere in the state of Illinois, it was 69 degrees. I was really into that. Well, we'll finish it later because my God, we want to <sighs> keep listeners. Brianna, Wait, is Bri- he going to be what? Is he going to be one of our surprise guests celebrating? Is Trent? Oh, you'd did be you so lucky. Look a deal. Oh my God! Hi Ben, Trent Ford. <laughs> oh, hey Ben, how's it going, Trent Ford? Here, uh, what's up, man? Uh... <laughs> Wait, did you get big? Big DB, Darren Bailey, is he going to be one of our surprise guests? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no. Uh, darn. <laughs> yeah, Brianna just posted a bunch of beds on the live stream chat. She's about to fall asleep. Ah, uh, come on, Brianna. You gotta love Trent for oh my God. Trent. I really love what he talks about precipitation. You know, really nobody talks about precipitation quite like Trent Ford. You know that day? <laughs> no, I don't, because I can't listen. It's <laughs> precipitation rate in East St. Louis is 0.14. I don't even know what that means, but I just said it. All right. Well, <laughs> I'd like to keep my job. So more with Trent Ford moving on. All right. If I don't, this guy will pull the ringer. I'll tell you what, every Friday morning, actually, it's early afternoon when we do our pre show planning, I go, Listen here, Dennis. That's how I talk to one off mic. Listen here. I want more Trent Ford, damn it. He's like, yes, sir. <laughs> Is that kind of how it goes, D, at our pre-show planning prep? <laughs> Wait, was that your impression of me? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Ben. Good. <laughs> oh, All right. So uh, really two big stories uh, locally this week. Uh, Lori Lightfoot dropping the F-bomb. Foul mouth. Maybe we want to work on that. I don't know. And also, I mean, I say this, uh, the same story, but it kept happening over and over again, just different versions of it. Yeah, we're going to talk about Mike Madigan again, so get ready for that. Okay, well, he's not going to jail, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's so mean that you play the little jail thing. He's not going to jail, okay? Well, hey, that would be when I would hit a Madigan clip of him talking. Turns out the guy doesn't talk to the public at all. So until he starts <laughs> no, speaking he out, I can, you know, I'll play that. But I got nothing. All right. So uh, a story that we have yet to cover here on the program. Honestly, it's got a little sick of talking about Madigan. All right. So here it is Friday. Let's talk about it. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Rachel Hinton, Mike Madigan and four other Cook County Democratic Committee members met again Thursday to pick a successor to the longtime state representative, this time choosing Angelica Guerrero Quellar. The appointment to the House seat Madigan held for 50 years took roughly five minutes in their quick <laughs> do over. Because remember, they had a guy, and then they're like, oh, boy, we just looked at this guy's Twitter feed. Or something. They haven't said what it is yet, but in their quick do-over, committee members didn't hear from new candidates, choosing instead to nominate from among the ones they had heard from on Sunday when they first filled the vacancy. On Thursday, Guerrero was nominated by Madigan, committee person of the 13th Ward. Before being appointed to the role, the new representative said her, quote, focus and motivation is to serve the community and residents of the 22nd House District. Ben, I know you wanted to talk about this. We've been kind of going over it here. So here it is. Let it rip, buddy. Well, I, I, I the delight I take in this story uh, on many levels, uh, Michael Joseph Madigan was the uh, state rep from the 22nd uh, Legislative District on the southwest side of Chicago near Midway Airport for about 50 years. His replacement, uh, Edward uh, Kodat, or Kodat, was a state rep for three days. All right? So we're going to see if Cuellar, uh, Angelica Cuellar, can beat that record and make it to four days. Anyway, you know, I think she's got a good I chance. I think she's got a good chance. I mean, we got the weekend here. You know what I yeah. mean? Nothing much really happens on yeah, the weekend. I don't think they're going to meet to uh, oust her. You know what? You know what their attitude should be? I don't care what you did. If 
whatever, you're going to be the state rep, okay? What a joke. I mean, the whole process is a joke. We talked about this uh, on the north side of Chicago. Folks who are not from Chicago are like probably struggling to understand our weird ways. But these vacancies are filled when the ward committeeman of the party, uh, in this case, the Democratic Party that's in power in that district, uh, convene. There's a weighted vote based on the number of people who turned out uh, in that uh, last election, and they get that vote. They cast a vote. And Michael Madigan, uh, most of the votes he controlled because he's also the committeeman, so he could replace himself. And the first person to replace Edward Kodat was a 26-year-old. And this kid was so unprepared to be a state legislator. I don't know what he did. We really even hadn't had this conversation, D. I mean, but just so there was an op, there there was a, a Sylvania Tabares, who's the older woman of the 23rd Ward, another committee, but all these names are just flying at you. I know, I know. I can't even work a computer, D, to get uh, the vaccination. But I know, like, it's like weird the way my mind works. I know all these people and where they are. It's really, it's a cry for help. But anyway, all you political junkies out there. So uh, Silvana Tabaris, the 23rd Ward Alderman, who, by the way, here you go, D. Here's a trivia question for you. Mm. For 10 trivia points, Alderwoman Tabaris of the 23rd Ward. Okay. What Ben Jarofsky show guest was her college professor? Maria Haddon. <laughs> Unbelievable. The answer is wrong, but the actual answer lives in her ward. I'm yes. lost. I'm lost. <laughs> What's going on? What show is this? Huh? <laughs> the Twilight Zone. Mick Dumpke. Oh. Right of Joy Rogers Park. The Loving Husband of our next guest uh, was a journalism professor. When I first met him, he was very erudite. He was a journalist. He would smoke a pipe. Mm, my McDumpkey journalism professor. <laughs> and uh, Tabaris was one of his students. Anyway, she was grilling this guy. And it wasn't even hard questions. It was like, so who is your favorite governor? I remember that. And he was like, uh, heaven, heaven, heaven. <laughs> Uh, I'm not prepared to answer that question right now. He couldn't, either he got scared he was going to say the wrong thing, or he couldn't, didn't know the names of any governors. Now, if he was smart, he would have said, well, J.B. Pritzker, of course. Right, D? That would have been the smart thing to do. But he was like, uh, I'm not prepared to answer this. I mean, it was a disaster. I'm like, Mike, Michael Joseph Madigan, this is the best you could come up with? And I thought, you know, this is like a, a game that Madigan was playing. This is like a really passive-aggressive move to replace him. Okay, guys, you want to be gone? You you think it's, the world's going to be a better place without me? All right, see how you like this kid. He can't even name one governor. I thought it kind of was like a passive-aggressive thing by Madigan, just saying it. But, he, you know, apparently Kodat was a very loyal uh, precinct captain in the Madigan operation, so he was being rewarded. Now, you figure there were guys older than 26 who were waiting around a lot longer than this kid to get rewarded, but it's Michael Joseph Madigan's decision. Anyway, within a couple days, it turned out he did something. We don't know. That's embarrassing. 
<laughs> so yesterday, I, the reporters, they all showed up on the southwest side uh, to for the uh, when the committee men were convening to replace Kodad, who stepped down and replace him with Cuellar, and they were grilling Madigan. What about the vetting process? <laughs> Madigan's like, you know, guys, I didn't answer your questions when I was the state rep. What makes you think I'm going to answer your questions now? Not going to answer that question. And so we'll never know, D. We will never know what it was that he did. That was quick, man. They're like, all right, get in here. Wait, hold on. Oh, God, get out. Get out. No, no. And, and the meeting took five minutes. I'm like, thank God I didn't have to cover it. Because you know me, D. I'm always at least 10 minutes behind the time. I'd be like, whip it down to the southwest side. Get out of my house late. Get on the expressway late. Parking. Oh, God, where do I park? Running to the Lithuanian Museum where they were having it. And I'd show up like 10 minutes late. and go, well, that, the meeting's over. You missed it, Ben. Some real arrogant <laughs> Tribune reporter. Oh, Mr. On Time. Mr. Northside, if you'd shown up on time, you'd have heard it. Now, that would have been Greg Hines saying that, my old friend Greg Hines. You missed it, man. Well, you know, before we move on, you know, we don't really know, you know, what the guy did. And this is a podcast where we, you know, talk about our opinions and stuff. Let's just speculate a little bit. You know what I mean? What do you think this guy did? What'd you do, Kodot? You know, just rip a bong right in front of Madigan or something. What happened? (laughs) And what would be wrong with that? You know, remember we were speculating that Madigan liked to smoke reefer through the apple. Remember that speculation? Because he's always eating apples. And I was like, and then Dennis, who's really knows a lot about this stuff, folks, was explaining uh, all the different like fruits that you can smoke a joint through. (laughs) Never. No. Ben, one time I smoked a joint through a grapefruit. I've yeah, never was, done this. A grape. Have you ever smoked a joint through a grape? I'm like, wow, man, it's like a small joint, you know? And how do you get the, like, pierce the grape to get the joint? Anyway, I think that Michael Joseph Maddock and the kid were smoking a joint through a grape. And <laughs> I don't know what he did, D. I think he shouldn't have gotten the gig because his answers are so bad. I'm sorry. You know, you call me old-fashioned, call me old-school, say I'm a stickler, you know, too tough. But if you can't name one governor of the state of Illinois, you should not be a state rep, D. That'd be like saying to you, "Uh, Dennis, who is your favorite radio personality? You could probably name 20. Isn't that right? 20. There's that guy in St. Louis. What was his name? Oh, that guy in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. I forget his name. What was his name? You love that guy. Vic Porcelli? I don't know. That doesn't sound right. But anyway, if I asked Dennis for a radio personality, he could probably come up with 20. This kid wants to be a politician. He can't name one governor? I don't know, D. Maybe Maddie just thought about it. He goes, you know what? This is an embarrassment. He said round. He said Rounder was kind of cool. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't think the kid could name Rounder. He had that, but you know what? Let me, you know what? On the other hand, a moment of panic. Dude, maybe he, maybe he really has like, he's memorized every governor the state of Illinois has ever had. And just at that moment, who is that, that Republican candidate uh, for president of the United States? And he said, we want to, we should get rid of three cabinet positions. And so they asked him which cabinet positions he would get rid of. 
and he couldn't name them. Remember, he was there was a debate. It was really embarrassing. He came up with two. Well, there's the kitchen uh, cabinet, my bathroom cabinet, um, <laughs> several cabinets. I mean, come on. Yeah. So it could have been something like that. So in which case, now listen, look, I'm a flip-flopping already. I'm already, ah, show some sympathy for the kid. Anyway, I have no idea why they booted him. But <clears throat> it's the age of Quayar, so she's taking over. Good luck to you, State Representative Quayar. Good luck to you. Okay. Um, ben, we, I think we got to have some talks here with the live stream chat at the moment. Uh, Steven is listening on the live stream chat. And, you know, I think you, you do kind of do it sometimes. You're bashing the millennials a little bit here on uh, today's program and a lot of programs, to be honest. Uh, Steven is a little concerned here. He's like, this is a very hostile space, uh, hostile space towards young people. He's saying that right now. <laughs> oh, I love young people. In fact, I just read this story about I'm reaching out to you, more and more young people. I'm really struggling, uh, Stephen. I have to confess something with getting my um, my shot, my vaccine. I'm old enough. I'm 65, so I should I get it. I'm eligible, but I can't figure out how the computer works. So I'm like literally stopping on people that I see in the street, like a 15 year old. Hey, can you help me with my computer? I'm like, get away from me, old man. Okay, you're really weird. No, I really like young people. So I, I, think, I hate if you get the wrong idea. I just, you know, it's a generational. Well, I think it was the comment. Uh, millennials don't know about council wars. Uh, that Stephen said. That you know, well, no, I, I didn't want to assume that just because I knew something that someone who wasn't born yet would know it. You know, now I have really smart millennials who listen to this show and would probably have heard about council wars or they're sick of it. I've had millennials tell me, D, uh, they're sick of uh, hearing uh, baby boomers speak so glowingly of Harold Washington. Because as they point out, Harold Washington's not going to walk through the door anytime now. So we have to come up with our own Harold Washingtons. Oh, and uh, shout out to Frank on the live stream chat and Jeff as well. Rick Perry was who you were thinking. Yes. Thank you, Frank. Thank Who else came up with it? Uh, Jeff. Frank? Jeff. Jeff. Thank you. It was Rick Perry, yes, from Texas. How could I forget it? And, and uh, Trump later put him in charge of the energy uh, department. Oh, my God. Yes, Rick Perry. What a moment. Great Texas governors. By the way, Frank, thank you for sending me um, the um, – oh, my goodness. Uh, yesterday you sent me uh, this picture of a T-shirt that they'll be selling at – uh, the Conservative Political Action Committee meeting this uh, this weekend where Donald Trump will be speaking. One of the T-shirts says, not my dictator. It is a picture of Joe Biden with a Hitler mustache. So, you know, here, here Joe Biden's bending over backwards to be as accommodating as he can to Republicans. He's not going to oppose his will over the parliamentarian rule. Going back to that story, Elizabeth McDougal uh made uh, her decision uh, about uh, the minimum wage. He's not going to override her. He's going to abide by her because he has respect for the process and his respect for people who disagree with him. And he's not going to try to destroy the filibuster. And here are the Republicans come out calling him Hitler. And that's just like I'm saying, it's so hard to take seriously this notion that we can have a bipartisan spirit in this country, when you have Joe Biden bending over backwards to get along and respect everybody else, 
and he's compared to Hitler. Uh, hey, Darren Bailey, you going to take a stand on this? Remember the last time Darren Bailey, who is the uh, presumably the, will be the gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans against Pritzker, when asked about the uh, anti-mask protesters who had swastika signs, said, oh, he didn't believe they were really anti-maskers. Well, who do you think selling these T-shirts, Darren Bailey at the CPAC convention this weekend? You think it's Antifa has infiltrated? Is that what your position is? Anyway, thank you very much, Frank, for sending me uh, that text. Yes, thank you very much, Frank. Uh, you can reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. In fact, uh, our good friend Stephen, he just weighed in. He sent you an email on uh, the Ben Jarofsky Show page. Ben, I forwarded it to you. Uh, maybe during the break, give it a little look-see. And uh, <laughs> look-see. I've never said look-see in my life. Uh, look it over. And then uh, after our interview with Romana, maybe you could talk about it a little bit. Uh, and that's our local news, everybody. So make sure. Wait. Oh, Ben sent me a text. Hold on. Finish the weather report. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Trip Ford. So sorry, Trent. Trip Ford, take us home with this boring report. Likely end just slightly drier than normal statewide. Okay. This is because the snowfall came during very cold oh weather God. this month, which limited the liquid water content in the snowpack. Forecasts for next week show mild temperatures closer to climatological averages, okay. with most of the state receiving less than a quarter of an inch of precipitation. As the storm system makes its way through the lower Mississippi basin, there is a risk of heavy precipitation <laughs> in far southern Illinois early this week. Looking farther out, climate prediction. Why do you like this segment? Strongly <laughs> Wait, elevated chances I have a of question. normal temperatures throughout March. Well, let him let Trent finish, please. Leading towards wetter than normal conditions in March. <laughs> this is Illinois State Climatologist Trent Ford wishing everyone a happy, healthy weekend. Thanks, Trent. My God, you're boring. Wait, I have a question. He just alluded to liquid water. What other kind of water is there? Can we do a follow-up with this? I swear to God, he said the liquid water content of the snow. Uh, maybe I missed them there. The liquid water. That's like the great uh, Donald Trump quote that Ricky Hendon <laughs> went on a, a wonderful riff on. As Donald Trump was talking about Puerto Rico, and he goes, Puerto Rico is an island surrounded by water. Whoa. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what other kinds of islands are there? Other than the ones surrounded by water. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, today's Ben Jarofsky show brought to you by water. <laughs> when we come back, Ramana Hussein is going to join us for another Ramana rundown. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. We are live from my apartment. Oh, you dropped some pencils there? <laughs> no paper. Oh, and Ben's <laughs> attic. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts.
don't believe me? Don't believe me?